0: Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Norman Thomas. These teachings are designed to empower you to live a higher quality of life. Take a few minutes to receive a deposit of godly wisdom for your day. For more information and more extended teachings from Dr. Thomas, visit normanthomas.org. Here's what it says I have fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I had fainted unless. I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The New International Reader's Version says it this way Here's something I am still sure of. I will see the Lord's goodness while I'm still alive. While I'm still alive. And the NIV says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord. In the land of the living, I will remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord. We hadn't done it yet, huh? Mm, I will remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord. Y'all sing that with me. Come on, ready? Sing. I will remain confident in this. I will see. The goodness of the Lord. See, it's right there. The words are there. I will remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Then the next part says, I will trust in you. I will trust in you. Yeah. I will trust in you. I will trust in you. I will remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord. I will remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord. So what am I doing? This is how you meditate. See, that's how you meditate. The word music is derived from an old Hebrew word, muse, M-U-S-E, where we get our word music from. And the word means to roll over and over and over and over again. And the illustration is given of a cow chewing a cud. If you grew up country, if you grew up on a farm, you know what that looks like. That cow chews that cud, chews that cud, and they, they swallow it. They bring it back up, chew it again, chew it again, chew it again. It sounds gross, but they swallow it, and they bring it up again. Chew it again, chew it again until it dissolves. When it dissolves, it becomes a part of them. When that word dissolves, it becomes a part of you. See? I will remain confident in this. I will see The goodness of the Lord. I will remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord. I will trust in you. I will trust in you. Okay, all right. So you get the point. You see, this, see, we can teach, 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 teach. And you can get excited, get excited, get excited, get excited. But if you don't engraft the word, if you don't become conscious of that word, if it doesn't settle into your consciousness, then it just comes and it rolls off. And some of you, it rolls off quicker than others. All it takes is one incident you know, one thing happened wrong and just blow you out of the water, and you forget all about what Pastor talked about on Sunday. We're talking about the goodness of God and receiving the goodness of God. Okay? And so this is something that you embrace with your spirit. It's not something you feel. The goodness of God is not something you feel. The goodness of, something, the goodness of God is something you embrace, it is a mindset, it is a mentality. It is a state of thinking that generates good feelings, but it itself, within itself, is not a feeling. So don't be looking to feel something before you believe it. Believe it first, and then let your believing generate the feelings that come afterwards. Amen? Amen. So how do, you, how do you receive the goodness? Well, first of all, you got to understand that you don't deserve it, and you never can, and you never will. All right? So goodness of God does not go to people who deserve it doesn't go to people who deserve it. Nobody deserves the goodness of God. Nobody's good enough. Yeah, but pastor, there are people a lot better than me. No, not in God's eye. Not in God's eye. God sent Jesus for all of us. So he sent Jesus for me. He sent Jesus for you. That means in God's view, I'm no better than you. You're no better than me. In God's view, we're all the same. And he, he wants his goodness to be demonstrated in all of our lives. So what we want is a demonstration of his goodness. That's what we want. A demonstration of his goodness. Say, I receive. I receive. A demonstration, a demonstration of, the of, God. of the goodness of God. Now, the last time that I was here, I told you that there are three keys for operating in the goodness of God. I think I did. Yeah. And I said, number one, is the capacity to believe. You got to build capacity to believe in God's goodness. Okay. Not just let it be a cliche. God is good all the time, all the time. God's good, and your mind is not even on it, okay? And you don't even connect that to any events in your life. You you don't even connect that to any circumstance of trouble, trial, adversity, tribulation you go through. You don't even think about the goodness of God. But it's just a cliche. God is good. It's a religious thing that people say all the time only at church or when they're in the company of other church people, okay? I don't want to say that and not experience it. I want to experience the goodness of God. I want to walk in the goodness of God. I want to be able to point to things in my life, point to situations, point to times in my life, and say, let me tell you why I came through that situation. Because God is good. Because of his goodness. I came out of that. I wasn't supposed to come out of that. But I came out, and I'm looking good today as a result of it, because of the goodness of God. Okay? Everybody say, I receive the goodness of God. God. So number one, build your capacity to receive the goodness by meditating it. Number two, embrace his love for you. See, unless you get the revelation of how much he loves you, then what will happen is you'll never be able to embrace his goodness because the goodness of God is a product of his love for you. The goodness of God is a product of his love for you. And people like to talk about how much they love God. God says, wait, find out how much I love you first. Amen. Then let's talk about how much you love me. He says, herein is love in 1 John 4 and 10, not that you love me, but that I love you. Because until you understand how much I love you, there's no way for you to have right perspective on how to love me. Amen? And then thirdly, I say, declare God's goodness with your mouth. Job 22:28 28 says that you shall decree a thing and it shall be established unto you. You shall decree a thing and it shall be established unto you. And what I told you was that means the word established means become a continual, a common experience. To become a common experience. Not common as in value, common as in frequency. In other words, if you decree the goodness of God, Job twenty-two twenty-eight 28 says it'll be established or you begin to experience it all the time. You'll begin to experience God's goodness. You'll be able to point to it every day. You begin to see signs of it all around your life, all in your life, even in your relationships with other people. So these are keys for operating in the goodness of God. If you want to operate in the goodness of God. All right. Now, I want to take you to a couple of scriptures and and I'll be done. It won't be long. Exodus 33 and verse 19. Exodus 33 and verse 19. There are many instances where God speaks to his people and he speaks to his people concerning his goodness towards them. And it says here in the Amplified Translation, it says, and God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, before you. For I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show mercy and loving kindness on whom I will show mercy and loving kindness. So he says, I will make all my goodness pass before you. The King James, I believe, says, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you. Maybe that's the NIV. And I will proclaim my name. So the goodness of the father is not earned or deserved. God says I will cause my goodness. I will cause. You won't cause my goodness. You can't cause my goodness to come to you. There are people that are trying to do things for God so that God can be good to them. They're trying to pay God back for some wrong that they've committed. They're trying to make up with God in areas where they have slacked in an effort to, uh, to in, in, in hopes that God will be good to them. But God is saying, you, that is not, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't earn this. You cannot You cannot, you cannot work your way to this place of goodness. God says, I am going to cause my goodness to come before you. In Psalms 103 verse 9 in the Amplified Bible, it says, God says, the Bible says, he will not always chide or be contending, neither will he keep his anger forever or hold a grudge. He has not dealt with us after our sins, nor has he rewarded us according to our iniquities. As far as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy and his loving kindness toward those who reverently and worshipfully fear him. What is this saying? It says that God has not dealt, in verse 10, with us according to our sins. God doesn't take your inadequacies, your sins, your failures, your missing of the mark, and deal with you according to your sin. That's what he says right here. Isn't that what he says? I said, isn't that what it says? He says, uh, he has put that in the, uh, yes, yeah, in the Amplified. He has not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Can we see what it says in the message Bible translation? Because the point here. Is that if God, if you want God to deal with you on a merit basis, you don't want that. You don't want to be dealt with by God on a merit basis. Because if we all got what we have merited, then none of us would be here today. It says he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, nor pays us back in full for our wrong. Isn't that good news? That is the goodness of God. Let's give the Lord praise right there. That is the goodness of God. Come on, you can do better than that. It's about receiving it. It's about receiving it. So this thing that we're teaching and talking about to you is something that you've got to rest in. You've got to rest confidently in it. Even when trouble threatens your life, you've got to rest in the goodness of God. Even when the trouble is your fault, you still got to rest in the goodness of God. In Psalms 86 and 17, the writer says, Give me a sign of your goodness, that my enemies may see it and be put to shame. For you, Lord, have helped me, and you have comforted me. So God says, I will, I will, I will show signs of my goodness in your life. Now, you know, when we, when we hear the term enemy, we think of people, but people are not your enemy. Now, there are people that may make themselves your enemy, but that doesn't mean that you got to make them your enemy. Okay? If they want to be your enemy, uh, you nothing know, you can do about that. But you don't have to be their enemy. You have one enemy. And that enemy is Satan. So you remain constant and unwavering in God's trust. And by your steadiness and confidence in him, did you know you intimidate the devil? Did you know that the devil is intimidated by you? He's highly intimidated by you. (laughs) It's amazing, you know. Anyway. The devil is intimidated by you. He, the worst, his worst nightmare is that you finally see all that God has done on your behalf and that you get revelation of who you really are and what you're capable of he don't want you to see that for nothing that's why he uses his strategies of deception to keep your mind blind okay But we're busy over here on 3000 East Gauthier Road on blinding the mind by the word of God so that people can see. See, that's I'm not you know, I want you to have a good time when you come here. That's why I want the AC to be working. Right. I, I, I want I want you to have a good time when you come here and I want you to, you know, to have a good experience. But I'm not so interested in you feeling good. As much as I'm interested in you seeing good. Yeah. Your mind has to be open. You have to see clearly. And the devil's job is to keep the mind blind. The eyes of the mind blind. And that's how he wins. Deception is his primary tool. And then fear is his secondary tool. And this is, how he, this is how he wins. And so, but what I want you to see over in... Philippians 1 and 28 in the Amplified Translation, Philippians 1, 28. Paul writes and he says, here's the first thing, don't ever be intimidated by the enemy. Uh Don't ever be intimidated by the devil. In anything the devil says, in anything the devil does, in anything he causes you to see, in any, any flash of trouble that comes before you, don't ever be intimidated or frightened in any way by the enemy. Now, now, let me just, let me put, okay, take that down for just a second. We'll put it right back up. Let me just uh, illustrate that. In other words, when you get, say, bad news, don't be shocked. Even if you are, don't act like it. All right. Whenever you experience something that causes fear to jump inside of you, Don't shake. Even if you are afraid, don't act like it. Just keep you cool. All right. Just stay calm. Just keep you cool. Whenever something happens at work or in your profession that is out of order, out of line, that is threatening your livelihood. Don't panic. Just just say I will remain confident in this. I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord. I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord. God's goodness is going to be demonstrated in this situation in my life. Now, the key is having something on the inside to hold your composure in a spiritual place. See, if you ain't got nothing on the inside, Let's put it this way. If you don't have the word on the inside, then you're going to release a reaction to the enemy's stimuli that's going to have him cause you to say something that he can use against you. Satan has no way of intruding your life except through your words. So when something hits, when tragedy hits, when trouble comes, Watch what you say. Watch what comes out of your mouth. Don't just react with your words. Be mindful of your words. Be considerate of your words. And don't just say the first thing that comes out and don't let somebody around you that talks the first thing that comes out their mind. Preserve your words and preserve the words that you allow to enter into your heart because that's going to be key to your victory over anything else. Come on, give the Lord. give the Lord praise. Put that scripture back up, please. So he says, do not for a moment. Everybody say for a moment. For a moment. How long is a moment? An instant, fraction of a second, a moment, however long your moment is. He says, not for one moment, allow the intimidation of Satan to come in. He says, here's what's going to be key to your victory, your constancy, And your fearlessness. The only way. To not allow. This fear. Or intimidation to settle. Even for a moment. Is to have something inside of you already. That you can pull out. At that moment. It's replacing the moment. Of intimidation. With a moment of the word. Now here's what happens. When you have enough word in you. When something hits, first thing comes out is a word. That's that's what happens. You don't even have to try to figure out what you're going to say. If you don't have enough word in you, first time something hits, it's a cuss word. It's going to come out. Oh, yeah, you're going to cuss. See, when, when something happens and you cuss, that's, you already, that's, that's right there. Indication, man, I need some more word inside of me. I need some word in my spirit. I'm telling you the truth. I need some word in my spirit. Somebody do you something and you cuss, you need some Somebody jump out in front of you in the traffic and you cuss, you need to so say you cuss when you're by yourself in that car, nobody riding with you. And you cuss, you need some word in your spirit. Right? Calling people all kind of stuff. You You need some word in your spirit. Do not for one moment be intimidated. Let your constancy, your fearlessness. Why? It will be a clear sign. It will be clear proof and seal to the enemy of their impending. The word impending means coming destruction. When the devil hits you, And he sees you cool. And he sees you calm. And you speak in the word of God. Those demons are trembling. They are trembling because they know they have failed and their destruction is on the way. And it also serves as a sure token of evidence of your development. In other words, your confidence will build up. Your your encouragement will become strong. And you will know that your deliverance and your salvation is on the way from God. Amen. Give the Lord praise. So he says, give me a sign of your goodness. Yes. Psalms 116 and verse 12. What shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? What shall I Return to the Lord for all his goodness to me. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits toward me? How can I repay him for all his bountiful dealings? Let's go to verse 13 and see. See what happens. I will lift up the cup of salvation and deliverance. And call on the name of the Lord. Next verse. I will pay my vows to the Lord. Yes, in the presence of all his people. See, the only thing you can do in response to the goodness of God is to honor. That's the only thing you can do. You can't never pay him back. So your best effort is to honor him. Is to honor him through your worship. You honor the Lord with your life. How do you honor God? Okay, let's take some examples. I take what's valuable to me and I render it to him. This is how I honor God. So let's talk about valuable things. What's valuable? Well, time is valuable. So I make sure that I honor God with my time. Right. I don't give God leftover time. So that when it's time to come and receive the word. I'm fresh and alert. I'm not trying to stay up. Because I stayed up last night. See, I know tomorrow I'm going to sit and receive the word. And I want to honor God with that time and receive that word. I'm not going to give him leftover time. Yeah, y'all quiet right there. Another, another way to honor God is with our finances. He says, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So God says, I know your heart by what you do with your money. How you use your money. And that doesn't mean all your, putting all your money in church. It means, how do you honor God with your finances? What are you doing with your finances? And is it honorable to God? What are you buying? What are you you subscribing to? What what kind of purchases are you making? What, What kind of investments are you making? And does it honor God? See? Yeah. That's how we honor God. See, people think the only way to honor God is by going to church. No, you honor God with your life. With family. With family. Family is important. Family is valuable. How do I honor God with my family? Am I teaching my children the, the, the principles of God? Am I teaching them how to love people? Am I teaching them how to listen for God? How to hear from God? How to, how to find direction from their life by going to God and asking God for it? That's, that's honor. And so you, you honor God with your family. You honor God with your marriage. Relationships, the relationships that you're in, are they honorable to God? See, see, we cannot say that we honor God and we disregard his word in the areas of our lives where we're called to show honor to him. So the only way to respond to God's goodness is through honor. That's the only way you can respond to it is through honoring him. Honoring him with, with your life. Honoring him with who you are and what he has made you to be and what he's made you become. It's not that you're going to pay him back for it, but the least you can do is honor him. Okay? We've had young people come into this church and not necessarily been churched a whole lot. And they're in relationships. They're not married and they're living together, may even have kids together. And then through the word they learn, you know what? We think it's time to get married. What happened to them? They learned that we want to honor God with this relationship. We don't want to live this way. We want to honor God with, with our relationship with one another and become married and then live a productive life. They take that relationship and they honor God with it. This is the only thing you can do in your response to God's goodness is to simply honor him. So I've said that this year is the year of God's goodness. 2017 is the year of God's goodness. I'm already in 2017. It is the year of God's goodness Now you need to expect to receive God's goodness in 2017. I mean, you can receive it now, but you need to you need to expect for a big dose in 2017. Okay? Come on, say, I received the goodness of God. In 2017, like I never have before. In ways that I never have before. Ways I cannot even explain. I'm receiving his goodness. coming from all directions. directions. It's going to bless me. It's going to bless bless all those around me. me. I can't wait to see. see. Tell somebody, and I can't wait for you to see see. The the goodness of God. Give the Lord praise. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Receive his goodness. Just receive it. Just receive it. I'm going to let y'all go because it's hot. (laughs) But receive his goodness. If you have enjoyed this time with Dr. Thomas, visit us online at normanthomas.org for more extended versions of these teachings. You may also learn where Dr. Thomas will be speaking at a location near you. Until next time, keep walking by faith.